AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. Thank you so very much for stopping by the channel once again today. This is episode 416 of Off The Script. It is Friday, February 25th, 2022. I am JD from New York, coming to you as always from the OTS venue. Thank you guys very much for joining me on your Fridays, wherever you may be. And man, oh man, when I said yesterday it wasn't a busy week... All I need is one day for that to ring untrue. We talked about Jeff Hardy yesterday. We talked about WrestleMania plans being soft right now, but WWE having a clear direction towards WrestleMania 38. And there really wasn't much of anything else. Buddy Matthews is now All Elite. AJ Styles is still with the WWE after signing a three-year extension at $3 million per year. There really wasn't much substance in the news week for WWE and AEW. And then all of a sudden, I uploaded yesterday's podcast. It hit iTunes and Spotify and all these other platforms. YouTube sat down had myself a cold beverage, was getting ready to play Destiny 2, The Witch Queen, which I'm loving, by the way. And then Cesaro gets released. Or not released, but Cesaro. The the wording was very vague in the reports. It was more of a WWE thing than anything. Cesaro walks away from WWE. Cesaro is no longer with the WWE. And SmackDown loses yet another top-tier talent. When are we going to end the brand split, is my question. Why did Cesaro walk away? Why was Cesaro unhappy and disappointed with the way WWE was treating him? I thought money was everything to everybody in the WWE, or if you are in several different areas of the IWC... Everybody loves working for World Wrestling Entertainment. They're making a boatload of money. Just shut your mouth and accept the payday. Accept the paycheck, they say. No. No. Money is not everything. And you can get a sense of that with guys like Cesaro. You can get a sense of that with guys like Ricochet and several others there who really aren't getting what they want. They're not being fulfilled creatively. Ricochet, Cesaro, Mustafa Ali, and everybody else that is disappointed with the way WWE creative is handling things on Raw and SmackDown. 
I got all that for you today right here on Off The Script. Also, Tony Khan. He was on Busted Open Radio today. And the major announcement that he's been teasing, the major announcement where he said he's under an NDA and can't talk about it, that's going to be announced on Wednesday on Dynamite. I don't know what it is. I have no idea if this is a show, a signing. Maybe they're in collusion with WWE. Maybe this all has to do with Cody Rhodes, which right now he went very, very quiet on all fronts regarding his situation. We got news on that, and we got what Tony Khan said today on Busted Open Radio. More AJ Styles contract news I got Elimination Chamber news coming out of the Saudi show, the Elimination Chamber. So we'll talk about that. News on Edge and how WWE already has his opponent for WrestleMania locked in. WWE has announced the main events for WrestleMania 38, night one and night two. It is now official. We will go over all of that. And Brian Cage. He re-signs with AEW. I don't like this move, but I'm going to talk about why I think the move was made and why it would be unlike Tony Khan to bring in somebody or retain somebody, I should say, and then him not have plans for him knowing that Brian Cage, A, has been vocal on social media, and B, Tony Khan really doesn't like wasting payroll like that. If he's bringing somebody back, there's got to be a reason for Tony Khan bringing somebody like that who hasn't been on TV in about half a year back to AEW. Loaded show today, ladies and gentlemen. This is episode 416 of Off The Script. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. We, We just hit 100 and 31,000 subscribers. Channel is doing fantastic. Live streams are blowing up every single night. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button. Turn on the bell for all notifications and make sure you guys have it on so you know when I go live and when I upload episodes like today's OTS. Hit that thumbs up. Let's try for 1,000 likes minimum on today's OTS. Go check out all the other videos, including yesterday's podcast episode 414, or 415, I'm sorry, 415, I'm all over the place today, 415, go check that out, and we talked about Jeff Hardy and the worst kept secret in all of AEW, so that is all on the homepage right now, go check it out if you did miss anything, also Monday Night Raw and AEW Dynamite live streams are also there, so like I said, all on the homepage if you missed any of that content. And please check out my sponsor for today's show, Audible, audibletrial.com slash script. They're going to give you guys 30 days free of their service and one free audio book of your choice. So make sure you guys go pick up that audio book courtesy of the podcast. Let's start at the top. Tony Khan. Tony Khan has been teasing this major announcement and he was on Busted Open Radio And today, he said the announcement is coming on Wednesday. 
Today on Busted Open Radio, Tony Khan said that he expects to make his major announcement this Wednesday on AEW Dynamite. He says, and I quote, I'm going to tell everyone right now, you definitely will not want to miss Wednesday night Dynamite next week. I've been talking a lot about a big announcement in the world of pro wrestling. Not only is there going to be a lot of great wrestling on the show, which there always is, I promise you guys right now, I have a huge announcement coming and nobody knows what it is. It's going to be something very important in the wrestling business. It's not just one particular piece of talent. It's something very special and I'm really excited about it. I believe it's something we're going to be in a position to announce on Wednesday, so I'm pretty excited about that, end quote. Khan has previously stated that this is something on the level of the first dance announcement. If that is the case, then this would be bigger than Jeff Hardy or Wyndham Rotunda or any of the major free agents that are still out there joining AEW that previously worked for WWE. Two things that fans on social media have speculated is, one, an AEW New Japan Pro Wrestling Super Show, or Tony Khan has purchased Ring of Honor. Those are the two going rumors right now in the IWC. If it is Ring of Honor, either the company or the tape library, then it would make sense for them to do that since the back catalog would be extremely valuable when they negotiate with potential streaming partners. So it, it, it legitimately could be anything. Any one of those things I could see it being, I think it would send major shockwaves, either one of those things, major shockwaves through all of pro wrestling. Ring of Honor is something that a lot of people are very disheartened about closing down. The annals of Ring of Honor history, how many people have come from Ring of Honor with all the prestigious names that have come from Ring of Honor that you see now on television, whether it's WWE, AEW, or anywhere else, New Japan, they are in a great position to pick pick up that tape library if they want it. Now, I don't know what Ring of Honor's plans are. They're going to come back in April, supposedly with... uh, one-off shows here and there, the first being in, a- in April. If that is the case, then it would open the door for AEW to negotiate with a streaming platform and get AEW on a streaming service like WWE is with Peacock. That would be a huge announcement in the world of pro wrestling because only WWE, Impact's got their thing as well, I believe that Impact Plus app, but this would be, uh, just on the same level as a WWE Network type of deal. This, this would be major, major for AEW. The other thing is the New Japan Pro Wrestling Super Show. I, I do know that Tony Khan has insinuated, and he's thrown teasers out there, that he wants to run a specific venue in the United Kingdom, something that is very near and dear to his heart about soccer, a soccer stadium, out there. He wants to bring AEW into the United Kingdom. I don't know how many seats this venue holds. It's in the vicinity, I believe, of 35 to 40,000 people. That would be AEW's biggest show to date. It would legitimately be their first stadium show. I don't think AEW is going to do that on their own. They very well could try. I would not doubt Tony Khan to fill that place on his own with his own roster. He has an all-star team roster. That could very well do that. But he's going to need an extra push. 
if if he really wants to solidify selling out a venue that has thirty five to forty thousand seats. New Japan Pro Wrestling would do that. The dream matches that could be had with both companies working together on a major mega super show that would rival any show all year in professional wrestling. That is something that I could see also being the announcement. CM Punk has already stated on social media that he wants Kazuchika Okada. Brian Danielson is already claiming he wants to be in the G1 Climax. If you want to get me to watch the G1 Climax, that's all you need to tell me. Brian Danielson is in the G1 Climax. There you go. There's your winner. This would be unbelievable if they actually pull this off. Or it could be something to do with Cody Rhodes. I'm not going to insinuate. I'm not going to speculate. I'm not going to throw conspiracy theories out there. But I am not the only one who likes to make topical discussions. Some people look down upon this topical discussion. I had people reach out to me that were blasting Jesse about his conspiracy theorist uh, mindset about Cody Rhodes and how Cody Rhodes is on the table to be a nice chip for WWE in a bargaining agreement where Shane McMahon is also a part of this plan and WWE is going to be working with AEW and Shane McMahon's coming to AEW. I mean, it's not that far-fetched to think. Cody Rhodes has been quite on the silent side of things in regards to his situation. And the fact that I bring up Cody Rhodes is possibly, I'm not saying this is the case, the fact that I'm bringing up a possibility of Cody Rhodes being this big announcement or being a part of this big announcement. Who's to say Cody Rhodes isn't a part of the announcement if, if Tony Khan is buying Ring of Honor? You know, Cody Rhodes says, it was time for me to leave the territory. I was never meant to be here long. Maybe he goes and purchases Ring of Honor, does Tony Khan, and he puts Cody Rhodes in charge of Ring of Honor. Did anybody possibly think of that? Who's to say that isn't what the announcement is going to be? He's going to resurrect Ring of Honor. And Cody Rhodes is going to run Ring of Honor. And maybe there would be a war of worlds. Maybe that's the end for Cody Rhodes. We all knew he wanted more creatively. His vision. His vision was never going to be brought to life the way he wanted it. He was never going to be fulfilled with Tony Khan, because Tony Khan has a vision, the Bucks had a vision, Cody had a vision, and then he said to Tony Khan, or about Tony Khan, he took the baton and ran with it. That's the one line that really stuck out in the statement Cody Rhodes made the day he announced he was not coming back to AEW. Maybe Tony Khan purchased Ring of Honor and he's going to put Cody Rhodes in charge of Ring of Honor, and Cody Rhodes had his stint in Ring of Honor. So who's to say that isn't? The plan. And then there could be a war of worlds. Tony Khan and Cody Rhodes, AEW versus Ring of Honor. Cody Rhodes has his own roster of guys, and Tony Khan has his own roster of guys, and we have this clashing of the two companies. I mean, it's it's something, it's something that could happen. I'm not saying it will happen, but it's something that could be a possibility. Now, the Cody Rhodes situation, it could even be something that dives deeper into what Tony Khan is talking about. Listen to this. And I don't want to say this is it, but either A, he's listening to what I do on Wednesdays with Jesse, or Jesse's a fucking Nostradamus. Mike Kyoto, 
Renowned referee, former referee in WWE, Mike Chioda. He was the senior official after Earl Hebner went away and was no longer affiliated with the company. Mike Chioda sat down to discuss the recent news and rumors regarding Cody Rhodes and the exit of Shane McMahon from WWE following the Royal Rumble. He says, and I quote, Wondering in this day and age, are they playing games between each other, AEW and WWE? Are they working together? Are they trading Cody Rhodes for Shane McMahon? I don't know, man. I'd love to see Shane McMahon pop up in AEW. Now, there were several references of Cody Rhodes on Monday Night Raw. Miz made a reference about dashing. His WrestleMania tag team partner was quite dashing. He comes from a very prestigious background, wrestling family. Edge mentioned something about his possible WrestleMania opponent. He wants his WrestleMania opponent to be undeniable. And that's something that Cody Rhodes has been affiliated with over the course of his career. Sean Ross Sapp even potentially talked about Cody Rhodes coming into WWE on the latest Fightful Select Q&A. Somebody asked him a question about Cody Rhodes, and this is what Sapp said, and I quote, I haven't gotten any confirmation that he signed yet or anything beyond that. It has been eerily silent since probably Friday or Saturday, end quote. The fact that Cody Rhodes went eerily silent because of what was going on, it was becoming too much. He might have been putting too much out there. People were talking. They were taking this and running with it, making all this speculation. Who's to say Tony Khan didn't hit up Cody Rhodes and said, listen, bro, cut back on the talk. Let me take this. Let me put out one statement on Busted Open. You remain silent when I announce it on Wednesday. Everything is going to be brought to the public's attention. I, I don't want to dive into that conspiracy hole, but the possibility of Cody Rhodes being a part of this announcement on Wednesday is, is very likely. It is very likely. If it's not, so be it. I'm sure it's a major announcement that we'll all be happy with, but I don't want anybody to deflect away from the Cody Rhodes thing as possibly being a part of this announcement. Cody Rhodes, I don't know if you guys know, when, when the day he announced that he was not joining AEW again and he was possibly looking at other ventures, there was an unheard of level of interest, public interest in Cody Rhodes leaving AEW. This is coming from Meltzer and the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. The reported um, news uh, link on the Observer said that Cody Rhodes' AEW departure was the second most searched topic on the internet, which I highly doubt that is the case, on the internet, on Friday, February 15th, it was pointed out that it was pretty much unheard of for a wrestling topic to crack, crack the top 10, especially on a weekday, with the exceptions of celebrity wrestler deaths and high-profile pay-per-views like a WrestleMania or a SummerSlam. So, everything about Cody Rhodes and what we talked about leading up to this major announcement, the possibility of him being a part of the major announcement, it is very likely. I, I, I don't think anybody is silly to start thinking that, well, well, what if it's Cody Rhodes? What if it's Cody Rhodes? I actually quite like my idea of Tony Khan buying Ring of Honor and putting Cody Rhodes in charge of Ring of Honor. 
And that's why he never joined AEW again and signed the talent contract because he's going to go over there and lead Ring of Honor creatively and he's going to be an in-ring talent and there's going to be a war of worlds between Ring of Honor and AEW. And Jonathan Gresham has been backstage not once but twice during Dynamite, which was, as of this Wednesday, he was backstage with the Ring of Honor World Championship. What the fuck is he backstage for? Why is he backstage? AEW's got Jonathan Gresham, and they're not going to either A-sign him, not use him on TV in a one-off spot. What the fuck is he doing there? What is he doing there in Bridgeport, Connecticut? I don't know. I don't know. Things in this entire situation don't really make sense. They never made sense from the word go. Tony Khan certainly knows how to drum up excitement. And I know the haters out there are going to use this as a way to throw it back at Tony Khan. Oh, he can't draw interest in his show, which is complete bullshit. Because the show did 892,000 viewers last Wednesday. This Wednesday, they cracked a million, 1.1 million. So clearly Tony Khan didn't go into this show promoting anything. He just gave you whatever was going to be the revolution build, a tag team battle royal. Brian Danielson versus Daniel Garcia was your main event on Dynamite. They still cracked 1.1 million. So leave Tony Khan to the business side of things, man. He knows what he's doing. He definitely knows what he's doing. But Wednesday is going to be a big deal. And I want people to start talking about this, man. Let me know what you guys think the possibility of it is. The ramifications could be huge. This could be a game-changing move by Tony Khan. I can't wait to see what happens there as far as his major announcement on Dynamite. Let's cycle back to yesterday's episode 415. We talked about AJ Styles and how he signed a new three-year deal, presumably for $3 million per year. AJ Styles is a rich man, well over $3 million a year, to stay with WWE, per the latest edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, this new deal puts Styles in the top echelon of WWE earners on roughly the same money as Edge, Goldberg, and The Miz. Stars earning larger salaries than Styles include Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, Ronda Rousey, and Randy Orton, according to the report. Kevin Owens just recently inked a three-year deal worth 2 to $3 million per year. Fightful is reporting that WWE offered Styles a big money deal as they'd expect him to have plenty of offers from other promotions. <laughs> AEW. Yes, AEW was definitely going to be interested in AJ Styles, as they should be. He fits like a glove there, no matter what. If he was to become a free agent, he would have had many, many suitors. According to the Wrestling Observer Newsletter in regards to Styles, AEW, in fact, did not try anything to sign Styles to a contract. As best we can tell, there were no AEW interests with Styles. When AEW started, the idea was for the final angle on TV to be Gallows, Anderson, and Styles to come out with the Young Bucks and Omega turn on them to start the first main event faction feud. But the impression that we had at the time, his Styles wasn't that interested as he was making big money here. And at the time, nobody knew if AEW would make it. Plus, there's the idea that Styles is one of those guys that will get a job in WWE after wrestling, whether it is a producer, an agent, or a coach at the WWE Performance Center. 
I talked about this yesterday. AJ is worth every fucking penny you want to pay him. That is the type of guy that if, if he wants something, you, you're going to pay him. He is going to be a major return on investment for WWE. He, he could be slotted in any main event with anybody, and it's going to draw money. The knowledge and how great he is is going to pay off for WWE long after he is hanging up the boots, long after he is retired in WWE. So this is a great move, not only for WWE, but for AJ Styles. I'm happy for AJ Styles. I'm glad AJ Styles is making the money that he is. There was once upon a time where people like AJ Styles wouldn't even get a look from Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard in WWE. Well, because he's the indie guy. Well, because he came from somewhere else and made a name for himself somewhere before he joined WWE. They frown upon that. AJ kind of broke through that, and it goes to show you how talented AJ Styles is. The fact that he took what he built and went to WWE and in the first year was in a feud with Roman Reigns at the top of the card and made himself a major name in the first six months in that company goes to show you how special AJ Styles is. There's a reason why people claim that AJ Styles is this generation's Shawn Michaels. That's quite the company to be, and that's quite the comparison to compare somebody to. AJ is worth every fucking penny that he is worth. But the thing is, I don't want people to think that, you know, AJ is going to WWE, he wants the money, he's this and that. WWE uh, threw all this money at him, you know, for whatever reason. The WWE, if AEW wasn't around... I don't think AJ Styles is making $3 million a year. I don't think half of the fucking people in that company are making what they're making. Because we see Nick Khan and the budget cuts he's making and the, the stance he has on cutting budget and making more money for WWE than ever before. That is their mission statement. They don't give a shit what happens on TV. They don't give a shit about the roster. They are looking to cut things out of the budget that they don't need, including the talent, as we saw during the pandemic with over 200 talents released. I don't think AJ Styles is making $3 million a year. I don't think Randy Orton's making $6 million a year. I don't think Edge is making what he's making. Edge, Randy Orton, and AJ Styles, they got one thing in common. They all used AEW for leverage. AEW deserves a thank you card from Randy Orton, Edge, and now AJ Styles. Tony Khan does, in fact. AEW merely existing has gotten AJ Styles well over $3 million a year. WWE does not want somebody like that going to the competition. WWE never wanted somebody like Edge to come out of retirement and come back in ring with AEW. They never want somebody like Randy Orton, who's a franchise guy, to go to the competition. That's a bad look on WWE. But the fact that AEW exists, people like this are going to use Tony Khan as leverage They don't necessarily have to speak to Tony Khan to see where the interests are and if it's possible of them coming in. All you have to do is mention AEW and the fact that they merely exist and WWE is going to scramble to get a contract together and AJ could pretty much ask for what he wants. Randy could ask for what he wants. Edge coming up on a contract, you can ask for whatever he wants and they're going to give it to him. Why? Because Tony Khan exists running AEW. I'm happy for him, though. I hope WWE, now that they're paying him well over $3 million a year, treats him like a main event talent, being that they're paying him over $3 million a year. Let's start the new contract off right. Edge, Styles, Mania, give it to me. That's a WrestleMania match, dream match, that I think could really fit perfectly 
on an otherwise lackluster card. Backstage news on Elimination Chamber happenings that just recently came to light this week. First, let's start off with the Viking Raiders and the Usos. As you guys know, the Usos and the Viking Raiders, they were supposed to have a SmackDown tag team title match, and the angle that we saw canceled the match from the show. There was a run-in by the Usos when the Viking Raiders were, were making their ring entrance. They were attacked on the ramp, and the match never got started. It was lame. It was quite pathetic. And the fact that that was the attack that thwarted the match from happening was shit creative from WWE. It did not do the Viking Raiders any credit at all. They look like they look like geeks, to be brutally honest with you. And I felt for the talent because imagine being the Viking Raiders and the Usos thinking that you're going to have a tag team title match at the Elimination Chamber in Saudi Arabia, only to get there and then the day of finally realize that WWE is running short on time. And the reason why the match never happened was because WWE formatted the show to run longer than they were given time to run the show. That's exactly what happened. This is coming from the latest Wrestling Observer newsletter. And Meltzer states the match was scheduled to happen when the show started. WWE was reportedly behind schedule and rushed through certain matches, including the women's Elimination Chamber match. In the end, the tag match was cut and the teams were instead instructed to do this injury angle. It is believed the match will take place on an upcoming episode of SmackDown. We could see that as of tonight. If not tonight, probably next week. Or maybe WWE just holds it off until WrestleMania, seeing that either team don't really have much going on as far as what they're doing at WrestleMania. Imagine that, man. Imagine being Ivar and Eric and Jimmy and Jey Uso going to Saudi Arabia, thinking you're going to have a 10 to 15 minute tag team title match. And I believe both teams can really give us a banger. I mean, it's the Usos. They're one of the best tag teams in the world. The Viking Raiders are very good. I feel like they've been very minimalized on the main roster. They're not the same team that we fell in love with in NXT, but that's the norm when you're in NXT and then make the main roster. Feeling for those guys flying over there, and you get there, the show starts, you're thinking the match is going to take place, and then all of a sudden, maybe 10 to 15 minutes before you're scheduled to go out there, WWE says, no, we're not going to run the match, we're going to do an injury angle, and we'll do the match back in the States. It's kind of lame. I feel for those guys, but whenever it does happen, you know, I I do think that they'll put on a good match. But the bigger question is, when the match is over, the Usos aren't losing those tag team championships. As long as they're affiliated with Roman Reigns, and Roman Reigns is going to be the tribal king in WWE when he beats Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, the Usos are not losing those tag team titles. What is next for the Usos? What is next? That's the bigger question. There is nobody left. The New Day is no more. Los Lotharios with Humberto Carrillo and Angel Garza don't really feel like a team that's ready for the Usos yet. And then you got the Viking Raiders, and that is it. That is your tag team division. You could think about maybe Happy Corbin and Madcap Moss. They're not really a tag team. They're a pairing, but they're not really a tag team. WWE's got some serious glaring issues in their tag team division. What happens after the Viking Raiders fail to capture the tag team titles? Merge the divisions, is what I say. No reason why the women's tag team championships are able to float from brand to brand, and the men's is sitting here with two sets of titles and barely any division on either show. Give us a unified tag team titles, WWE tag team championships, and if you want to maintain the brand split, 
Have them go between shows. WWE already does a great job of not giving a shit about the rules of the brand split, so why don't we play into making the rules matter? That is something that would work out brilliantly. But they don't have the mind or the creative mindset to do something like that because they're fucking lazy. Brock Lesnar, he actually went, and no pun intended, off the script at WWE Elimination Chamber. Last week, PW Insider reported that Lesnar went off script when he broke through his Elimination Chamber pod. If you guys remember, Bobby Lashley was supposed to come out at the number five position. He was taken out of the match because of an injury angle that WWE did where we had Rollins powerbomb Austin Theory into the pod. And this took out Bobby Lashley as he was injured. But he was already injured going into the match. As we then found out, he has a shoulder injury. He's going to be out four months plus and miss WrestleMania. So he was going into the match injured. And WWE wanted to keep him looking strong without actually having him get buried by Brock Lesnar in the match itself. So the buzzer went off. And Bobby Lashley was supposed to come out. So Brock Lesnar at the time said, okay, well, Bobby Lashley's not coming out. Bobby Lashley's not here. So why do I have to wait another two minutes for myself to get into the match? He busted through the plexiglass and came into the match, taking Lashley's spot because that's exactly what he thought he was supposed to do. He knew the show was running short on time. And he's like, why am I going to wait here two minutes? Let me get in there, decimate everybody and win the WWE Championship. So Meltzer stated that since Lashley was taken out of the match, Lesnar was supposed to wait another few minutes until his pot opened, but instead he chose to break through and enter the match early. Meltzer stated that Lesnar obviously knew that Lashley was never going to enter the match again, but he did not know that they were going to signal for Lashley's pod to open instead of his own pod, so he figured he was out next. It It was really kind of silly for WWE to do that, They had the buzzer go off and the light, the overhead shot, shown that Lashley and his pod was supposed to open, but he wasn't there. I don't know why WWE Creative showed us us the visual of that and then didn't give us Brock Lesnar coming in. It would be process of elimination. Lashley's not there. Why does the buzzer need to go off? Let's just get Lesnar into the match. But it all worked out anyway because Lesnar took things into his own hands and the visual of him breaking through the fucking glass like a goddamn savage was quite awesome. So, he took things into his own hands, and he made it look great. Lesnar also knew that the show was running low on time, and they had to pretty much figure out what to do here, and they had a hard out of when they needed to be off the air, and he thought it was going to be a mistake that his pod was not open. So, they decided to break away from this this situation. He destroyed the pod, destroyed everybody, And the others in the match, you know, whatever the case may be, he was going to be the winner anyway. So he ran through Styles, he ran through Rollins, he ran through uh, Mr. Matt Riddle there, and he went on to win the WWE Championship. Lesnar was booked to destroy everyone in the match because the idea is to put over Lesnar and Reigns as killing machines ahead of their WrestleMania match. So the outcome was always in play. It was just how we got there, and the Lashley thing was quite silly, but... I'm not going to complain about it. The visual of him breaking through the plexiglass was quite awesome in the end. Edge. Edge cut a promo on Monday Night Raw that was very vague about what he's doing at WrestleMania. Now, WrestleMania plans, they are 
going in a certain direction. Plans can always change in WWE. This is Bruce Prichard and Vince McMahon at the end of the day. What happens on Monday is going to be vastly different on Tuesday. I don't take anything with any serious aspect at all. I'm not taking any of these plans to be locked in plans. Things are always going to be changing. WrestleVotes is reporting that the WrestleMania card is very quote-unquote fluid, and that is the reason why Edge's promo was so vague. WrestleVotes noted that the creative is leaving a lot of flexibility for every storyline, which means that whatever is in the plans right now can still change. Now, this is going back to what Ringside News reported this week about WWE leaving all ideas on the table, that they're open to any ideas. And one of the ideas was they used this as an example. If I was to tell you Hulk Hogan was coming back and he was going to wrestle Linda McMahon at WrestleMania, that's an idea that would be discussed, whereas on any given day, it would be turned away and laughed at. WWE is taking any idea and putting it on the table and seeing what works and what sticks going into WrestleMania. They're open to anything. So WrestleVotes is kind of, but not really, confirming that Ringside News' report was legit. Anything and everything is on the table. There were reports that Vince McMahon could be coming back at WrestleMania and be in a wrestling role. He would fit on the card somewhere, not that I want to see it, because he's been in a feud with Austin Theory. Or he's been in a program, I should say, with Austin Theory, and that could lead to a match between those two where Vince takes it upon himself to teach Austin Theory a lesson. That's something that could be on the table, and that's something that Russell Votes and Ringside News is pretty much insinuating at, that all ideas, no matter how silly or ridiculous it sounds, they're all on the table. Now, on Raw, Edge asked for someone to step up and face him, and there were some hints in his promo, but he did not outright name anybody. Russell Votes tweeted, and I quote, We are roughly five weeks out, and I'm told the WrestleMania card is still very fluid. It's going through the motions. Hence the reason for the vague Edge promo, the two-week delay on the tag team title match, and the MSG title defense for Brock. So Edge cut his promo, mentioned, like I said at the top, mentioned somebody he wants at WrestleMania. That's phenomenal. Someone at WrestleMania that is undeniable. So those names, obviously, we correlate with AJ Styles and Cody Rhodes. WWE obviously feeding off the Cody Rhodes innuendo and rumor because it's in everybody's mind and everybody's talking about it. So good on them for doing that and kind of taking that and and running with it. So Edge is being very vague about who he wants in this open challenge. Then he got the two-week delay on the title match. Uh, WWE had a tag team match with Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens against RK-Bro. And if they beat RK-Bro, then they get added to the RK-Bro Alpha Academy tag team match. And I would assume that match would take place at WrestleMania. But WWE is doing that two weeks from Monday. This this previous Monday. So it's going to happen in two weeks. WWE is having a delay on that match because they have ideas that are on the table. And they want to see what works best. So they're giving themselves a little leeway and giving themselves some time for, for things to play out, I guess. And then the MSG title match, which was mentioned, very strange and bizarre that this was mentioned because it does not have any correlation with anything at WrestleMania. WWE is not going to have Brock go into MSG and then have a title defense and then lose the championship two weeks before WrestleMania when he's in the main event of WrestleMania with Roman Reigns. So I found it quite odd that they mentioned that 
in a promo via Paul Heyman on Monday Night Raw. They even mentioned that Bobby Lashley would be challenging Brock Lesnar at MSG on the road to WrestleMania show at Madison Square Garden. So we know that's not happening because Bobby Lashley's injured. But WWE is promoting that Lesnar will be in a title defense at that show. Who it is, I don't know. I have no clue. Now, I mentioned on my Monday Night Raw post show that I thought that WWE mentioned that for people who don't realize that MSG is having another WWE show on the road to WrestleMania and they want to boost ticket sales because the last I checked this week, WWE barely has half the capacity of MSG filled for that show. So I thought that Heyman mentioning it twice, WWE was getting a little bit desperate to get tickets sold for that show. Now, this lines up with all, like I said, of what Ringside News reported this week about nothing being locked in for the show, that WWE has a working plan, and that everything is on the table as far as getting it on the card. So, WrestleVotes is kind of confirming, but not at the same time, because he didn't mention them, that Ringside News is indeed correct about their reports. If I'm going to make a logical guess, I'm thinking Edge and AJ Styles at WrestleMania. I do not think it's going to end up being Cody Rhodes. If WWE does have Cody Rhodes in the bag, I think having him wait till the Raw after Mania is a bigger deal for Cody Rhodes. Let's do Edge. Let's do Styles. Let's do it at WrestleMania. Now, as far as what we have with WrestleMania, we have... Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey. Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey, I think everybody at this point was in the know or they speculated that Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair will indeed main event WrestleMania 38 night one. It makes sense. I'm not interested in the match. I'm actually kind of falling asleep just even fucking talking about it. I get disappointed knowing that is going to take place on the show. I just don't get a sense of big match feel with these two. I don't. I don't like the fact that Ronda came back after all these months having a baby and coming back, giving her the Royal Rumble, and then having her go challenge Charlotte Flair. I I don't like it. Something smells nefarious here. Not interested in Ronda, not interested in Charlotte, I'm not interested in the political bullshit that I'm sure went on to get this in the main event of WrestleMania because it feeds Charlotte Flair's ego. Ronda Rousey's being paid a lot of money to help WWE in this last year, right? So I'm sure WWE wants to get a nice return on their investment with Ronda Rousey. Is it going to pay off? I don't know. Are people going to be interested in it? I don't know. If it's half of what their match was at Survivor Series a few years ago, then maybe. Maybe it'll be good. But I'm not interested in these two main eventing, and that's exactly what it is. This was confirmed by WWE as they announced that the match between Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey will indeed take place on night one of WrestleMania in the main events. But everybody's main eventing WrestleMania. They had Becky Lynch come out on Monday Night Raw in a back-and-forth promo with Bianca Belair, saying that she is going to main event WrestleMania with Bianca Belair. How can everyone be in the main event of WrestleMania when WWE already has two main events on night one and night two for WrestleMania? So on night one, we're getting Charlotte and Ronda Rousey, and I think we all know what the main event is for night two. WWE also confirmed that Roman Reigns will challenge Brock Lesnar in the main event of night two of WrestleMania. Title versus title. WWE champion versus universal champion. Winner take all. So that was confirmed. Night one and night two, we have our main events set. Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey. 
listen, I hope WWE knows what they're doing. I really hope they know what they're doing. I don't know how they build intrigue over the next five weeks, but what we've seen so far, it is lacking major interest. I'm not invested in anything these women have done so far. In fact, I'm more invested in Naomi than I am Ronda. I'm more invested in Sonya Deville than I am Charlotte. I would have had Naomi, and I said this, I said this going into the Royal Rumble. I would have had Naomi win the Royal Rumble. I would have had Naomi challenge Charlotte at WrestleMania, and I would have had Naomi beat Charlotte at WrestleMania for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Naomi and Charlotte have been tearing it down on SmackDown. Their last match on SmackDown was great. And I don't give credit to Charlotte Flair at all. And I said, she brought Naomi to the best match of her life. And Naomi has stepped it up big time. I don't know why WWE wouldn't go with somebody like Naomi that is incredibly over with the fans. She was so over in New Orleans on that SmackDown. You can't tell me that she wouldn't get that same reaction in Dallas at WrestleMania coming to ahead with this Charlotte Naomi shit and then winning the Women's Championship at WrestleMania. You can't tell me that she wouldn't get a huge celebration with 90,000, 100,000 people there. That's the way it should have went. No, but WWE needs to sell tickets and and Naomi isn't Ronda. And Naomi isn't Charlotte. So they're not going to put somebody like that in the main event. And WWE sadly only looks at Naomi as a team player, as a good hand. That's all she'll ever be. She'll never be the belle of the ball. She'll never be the WrestleMania main event. She'll never be like Charlotte or Ronda. Yeah, we'll give her some rub. We'll team her with Ronda, but she's not going to be in the championship picture. Meanwhile, she's already proved to you time and time and time again that she's good enough and over enough to be there. Naomi winning the Royal Rumble would have been the cherry on top of the cake, man. Everybody would have been in love with that decision. They would have loved it. And WWE? It sucks to see talent, good like Naomi, not get opportunities because they're not a major name. I don't think WWE realizes who is actually on their roster and how over somebody like Naomi really is. Cesaro. This was the big news yesterday. Cesaro. He's no longer with the WWE. No longer under contract with World Wrestling Entertainment. Cesaro left the company yesterday. PW Insider reports that the two sides have been in talks about a new deal but could not come to an agreement on the terms. Due to his contract expiring, he's not under a non-compete clause and could sign with any promotion he wants immediately. Dave Meltzer reported in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter that the two sides could not come to terms on a new deal. And given the huge money being offered to others on the roster... That would indicate that Cesaro was not happy with what he was offered. Meltzer noted that this was more of a WWE decision than a Cesaro decision in the sense that he was not looking to leave, had no interest in leaving like the others, but an offer that was made to him he did not like. It's it's the fact of the matter that WWE offered Styles $3 million. Now, Cesaro's not going to make Styles like money. WWE's not going to offer Cesaro's Cesaro Styles like money. But the thing is, when he sees that and hears that and reads that online, and then WWE gives him whatever they gave him and he's not happy with it, then he takes into consideration, well, you're giving me this and you're booking me like shit, 
Why do I want to be here? At least if I'm going to be booked like shit, you're going to pay me to be booked like shit. I can go somewhere else and make just as much as what you're paying me and be creatively satisfied. That's the decision that he ultimately made. Now, he could still sign with the WWE. Same thing happened with Drew Gulak. Drew Gulak was a free agent. Everybody was like, oh my God, you got to go get Drew Gulak. Drew Gulak's going to be such a great name on the indies. He's going to be back to form. He ended up taking the money for WWE because they paid him really, really well. And he's comfortable being in a non-wrestling role on their show. How long that's going to last, I don't know. But they paid him to stay. And he was happy with what they were paying him, which I'm assuming was more than what he was previously making. I don't know what they offered Cesaro. But the fact of the matter is, he wanted to stay. If you want me to stay, I want to stay. Pay me to stay. But why are you giving me this lowball offer and then booking me like shit? I could go make this money more than this and be creatively satisfied somewhere else. Fightful Select reports that the reaction from those in the company was disappointment and dismay because Cesaro is very well liked. WWE did not... Uh, WWE did offer him a new contract, but he turned it down. WWE did sign him to a one-year extension last year, which recently expired. The company did have plans for him on upcoming shows, but nothing long-term. I heard reports and read reports that WWE planned to use Cesaro in what capacity? WWE had zero plans to use Cesaro in any capacity, more than what we have saw of him on SmackDown. Nothing. They were not going to plan for him to be important in anything. He was a good hand in WWE, and that's all Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard saw in Cesaro. He was actually on a seven-match losing streak on television, dating back to November, and there was no indication he was going to re-sign, nor no incentive by WWE to push him accordingly. This isn't the first time that this happened with Cesaro, as they were in talks last year. WWE pulled him from a top contender gauntlet match Because he did not sign with the company. That was then. Cesaro will not have any trouble finding work as he is highly respected in the world of pro wrestling. Now, Cesaro expressed unhappiness in WWE. Vince was never going to give him a big push. And Vince McMahon, if you guys remember, in 2015 on Stone Cold's Broken Skull Sessions, he stated that he did not see Cesaro as a big draw. Dave Meltzer also reported a few years back that McMahon felt Cesaro was boring. Yes, a guy that speaks six or seven different languages can wrestle or out-wrestle anybody in the world, and especially on WWE's roster, is boring. Give me a break. The guy was, and I'm going to go over some instances, the guy was over, and WWE was fucking deaf to the fact of what the fans wanted, and in every situation... Cesaro was always a step ahead. He knew he had what it takes. He knew he had something in every little bit that he was doing. And WWE cut the legs out from underneath Cesaro. It's a sad fucking tale over the last 10 years. He's found success in WWE. Don't get me wrong. But WWE, every single time he wanted to do something a little bit more or the crowd was getting really behind him, they cut his legs out from underneath him. Cesaro expressed unhappiness with his spot in the company. He even liked some tweets from fans expressing disappointment that the company could not even find anything for him to do at this year's Royal Rumble show. Now, looking back at it, Cesaro was probably unhappy going in. 
I'm not in the Rumble? Why is somebody like me who's healthy and ready to go not in the Royal Rumble, but Johnny Knoxville's in the fucking Royal Rumble, but Bad Bunny is in the Royal Rumble, but Shane McMahon is in the Royal Rumble, but they couldn't find something for Cesaro to do in the Royal Rumble. Now, seeing what happened after the Royal Rumble was over and all the negative reaction to the Royal Rumble, guys like Finn Balor who weren't in the Royal Rumble, guys like Cesaro in the Royal Rumble were probably pretty happy that they were not in the Royal Rumble and a part of probably one of the worst Royal Rumbles of all time. Balor was in Dublin photographing pictures of himself and his wife, bar hopping. So I don't think he was too upset about missing the Royal Rumble. Everybody was eventually going to fall to Brock Lesnar. Why would we need Cesaro to be fed to Lesnar when he feasted on everybody else and then would again feast on everybody at the Elimination Chamber? So he's probably thanking himself. Oh, hey, listen, I'm, I'm glad I'm not uh, in the Royal. Who gives a shit? You know? Praying to the gods. Yeah, I, I missed that one. I missed that one. There were reportedly no long-term creative plans for Cesaro because WWE didn't want to commit to something before he resigned. This is something similar to what happened last year when WWE had planned to showcase Cesaro in a SmackDown Gauntlet match, opted to showcase Shinsuke Nakamura instead, if you guys remember that, because Cesaro hadn't agreed to a new deal at the time. This was around the time when Cesaro was actually moving on up, but they were only moving him on up to feed him to Roman Reigns. So that was that. Since his contract with WWE expired, there's no non-compete in place. He can work anywhere he wants as of today. This could include Impact Wrestling, New Japan, All Elite Wrestling, GCW, MLW, you name it. He could show up anywhere and anywhere. In theory, he could show up on Dynamite as soon as Wednesday. Or the next TV tapings for Impact if he does choose to go there. Now, in the hours following this original report from PW Insider about Cesaro leaving, uh, there were news articles that came out about Cesaro signing a one-year contract extension last year and the decision was made by him not to renew this time around despite offers from WWE. Fightful did say that even though this is being reported, sources do indicate that the door is still open for Cesaro to return when he wants, if he wants, and that until he makes a decision to go anywhere else, he could very well return to the WWE. Cesaro leaving WWE likely did not have anything to do with AEW, says Dave Meltzer. He also hadn't gotten any backdoor AEW offer when he was negotiating, so it wasn't that he got a better offer somewhere else. That is in saying AEW may not make him an offer now that he's a free agent, but right now he's leaving the promotion unless something changes between Cesaro and WWE. You know, I see a lot of people. First of all, if Cesaro is done with WWE, I had the pleasure, we had the pleasure of watching somebody as great as him excel at everything he did for the last 10 years. And wherever he goes, that man is going to find work as fast as you could blink. Nobody should feel bad for Cesaro. Cesaro is looking at this and assessing the situation and realizes what he's worth and how valuable he is. WWE clearly did not think that Cesaro was valuable. They low-balled him an offer. After the news came out that Styles is making $3 million a year, how much did WWE want to retain Cesaro's services if they gave him a low-ball offer 
to merely stay with the company. Like I said, he saw the offer, saw what they were doing with him creatively, had no plans to keep him around, and if they did, no plans creatively. Why does somebody like that want to join or re-sign with a company when they don't really value him or don't have any plans to use him in the way that he believes he should be used? How long is Cesaro going to be around? He's 37, 38 years old. He doesn't fit the WWE mold. He's everything that the WWE doesn't want and doesn't want to push. His best interest is probably leaving the company. The guy can go out there and set the wrestling world on fire where he is not going to be able to grab that brass ring that he's had taken away from him many times before. He can go somewhere else and show everybody that he is as good as everybody is saying he is. He is as good as WWE or anybody in WWE. When WWE doesn't think he's that good, he's going to show them exactly how good that he is. I had the pleasure, you had the pleasure of watching him for 10 years. Nobody should feel bad for for Cesaro. The thing is, Cesaro is one of those, and listen, I I know nobody can be, you know, the level of Roman Reigns or maintain that for years and years and years. A guy like Cesaro is never going to be that. Not everybody can be a world champion. But the fact that this guy never won a world championship in WWE, with the body of work that we know he is capable of, is one of the most downright criminal, underrated, misutilized talents that I've seen walk through the WWE doors and then out the WWE doors when he knows things are not going to get better. Cesaro had his peak in WWE on the road to wrestling Roman Reigns last year. Now, he was only used in that spot because Cesaro was one of the few guys that Roman Reigns has not feasted on. He was used to propel Roman Reigns' Universal Championship run. WWE was running out of opponents and running out of ideas. Cesaro was the next best thing in a string of, let's get Roman to the next month. Let's have him run through Cesaro for a couple of months And then we'll move Roman on to somebody else. He was merely used because they had nobody else. It made a great match on paper. It made for an even better match on TV and on pay-per-view. But WWE never saw anything in Cesaro after that. They never saw anything in Kevin Owens after that. They they, they, They didn't push Kevin Owens after his feud with Roman Reigns. And Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns killed it. He felt right back to what he was. The time before he wrestled Roman Reigns. Right back to the mid-card, doing KO shows. Cesaro fell right back into being a catering VIP. He fell right back into the mid-card. Losing, feuds with Happy Corbin. But how many times has Cesaro come out and showed WWE that the fans want him? The, 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 The team with Tyson Kidd. If you guys remember, going back, even before that, WrestleMania 30 with the Battle Royal. Let's start there. WrestleMania 30 with the Battle Royal. Body slamming Andre the Giant uh, in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Uh, Body slamming the Big Show over the top rope. If Andre the Giant was around, I'm sure Cesaro would do the same thing. But in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, body slammed legitimately Big Show over the top rope. Crowd in New Orleans went fucking ballistic. Went crazy. He was a made man there. Did WWE follow up on it? Of course they did. Then he had the team with Tyson Kidd. He had the team with Tyson Kidd. They had that as good as anything both of those guys were doing. WWE 
cut the legs off of that tag team for absolutely no fucking reason. Whether it was an injury, I don't remember if Tyson Kidd was injured and Cesaro was out as tag team partner, and if Tyson Kidd was ready to come back, I don't know if WWE had plans to keep them together or they just decided to get rid of the team and break up tag teams, which is WWE's thing to do. They love to break up tag teams. That team was over. He had the team with Jack Swagger, the Real Americans, led by Zeb Coulter. Remember that? We had people chanting, we the people. They were a fucking heel team. They were a heel team. And they got over because they were entertaining. And Cesaro was great. If I'm not mistaken, WWE in that time had Cesaro stop doing the Cesaro swing because they were a heel team and they were getting too over. Why did they do that? Why would you take away something that the guy does that is immensely over and the fans love? A, Vince hates the fans. B, Vince hates professional wrestling and anything to do with professional wrestling. And C, the Real Americans were never supposed to be over. That actively showed WWE, hey, we're being treated like a bunch of dummies here. This was, a, this was not supposed to work. We can't allow this to get over. This was not really on our plan of things to do. This doesn't really belong on television. It's only there to fill TV time and get through the next segment. WWE cut the legs out from underneath that tag team. They were doing something against what WWE had planned. They wanted them to be another mismatched pairing out there. And WWE realized, hey, they're getting over. We can't allow that. This is not what we planned for. They cut the legs out from underneath that team. What about the open challenge from John Cena? John Cena had that United States open challenge. Cesaro came out and answered the call. Remember that first match that they had where Kevin Owens interfered and John Cena was defending the title against Cesaro the very next week? How many of you guys remember that match? Because I do. That match was fucking great. That was some of John Cena's best work in that time period where he had the open challenge and we saw the likes of Neville, a.k.a. Pac, and Sami Zayn, and Cesaro. These guys that were never given a fucking chance to breathe on the main roster. John Cena gave them an opportunity as a company guy holding the United States Championship, doing the United States Championship Open, gave opportunities to guys like that that were not getting an opportunity to get themselves over. This was a third opportunity for Cesaro to get over. What did they do after that? Nothing. They did not follow through on a match with John Cena that people claimed was a raw classic against John Cena. They did nothing. What about Cesaro reinventing himself with this James Bond gimmick that he came out doing? Remember he had the suit and he would rip the suit off? This was something that I quite enjoyed, and WWE took that away from him as well. What about the team with Sheamus? That was never supposed to work out. That was never supposed to be a thing. I don't know how you don't have value in Cesaro when the bar was probably the most successful thing in all of Cesaro's career. The bar was a great fucking tag team. It's... It's unbelievable. We don't set the bar. We are the bar. 
That was a great fucking tag team that was never supposed to be a thing. I remember it was Mick Foley uh, as a general manager or commissioner. He put Cesaro and Sheamus in a... We've seen these matches recurring every fucking week on TV. And then eventually it led to a seven-match series where both guys had unbelievable matches against each other. At the end, gained respect for each other, decided to team up, and then became legitimately one of WWE's top tag teams. They were probably, if, if you want to go out on a stretch here, you could probably say they were one of the best tag teams in all of pro wrestling. Never mind WWE. WWE had the bar. How many times did they win tag team championships? Five or six times? WWE never thought in this day and age where they need fucking tag teams and Sheamus isn't doing much of anything and he's not going after singles titles and Cesaro is in the middle of absolutely fucking nothing and, and irrelevant on SmackDown. You mean to tell me that WWE doesn't need tag teams? You mean to tell me that WWE couldn't find Cesaro and Sheamus back together as the bar on TV? Yes, they did it before, but I don't think anybody would complain about them being back together. They are, that was one of, a, one of those teams where they were very lucky to have the, the, the nucleus that they had. You could pair them together. You could have the bar be a tag team, go after the tag team title. Cesaro was a world-renowned singles wrestler. You got Sheamus, who's a world-renowned singles wrestler as well. They could do the single and the tag team things. They are so versatile that WWE's not even thinking about using them together while also using them at the same time individually. I I don't get the lack of fucking care. The missed opportunities. How over would Cesaro would have been in that match with Roman Reigns if it didn't take place in the fucking Thunderdome? How many of you guys wanted Cesaro... To win a Royal Rumble and surprise everybody and be an Iron Man and pull off a fucking Mysterio or a Ric Flair in that Royal Rumble. If there was one guy that could do it, it would be him. How many of you guys thought he should be at least a world champion in this company? Everybody thought he was good enough to be a world champion. Not Vince McMahon. How many of you guys wanted that dream match that we never got of Brock Lesnar and Cesaro? Could you imagine the fucking damage those guys could do and how over Cesaro would be? The reason why the match never happened was because Vince never wanted it to happen because he doesn't see Cesaro in the same vein as he sees Brock Lesnar. Missed opportunities. Underutilized. Not valued the way we see it. Vince, I don't know what the fuck he values. If they don't look like Roman Reigns or if they don't look like Braun Breaker or Brock Lesnar which is very few and far between nowadays, they have no interest in pushing anybody. There's no reason why Cesaro could not be used in a better and more priority capacity than he was before he walked away. Now, where does he go? Cesaro's going to be one of those guys that is going to find work very, very easy. He's one of those guys that's going to light the fucking world on fire if you allow him to light the world on fire. He's one of those guys that definitely has a lot to prove after being in fucking jail for all these years. You don't think this guy is already dripping at the mouth to get back on the indies, possibly, if WWE doesn't turn around and offer him more money to stay because they don't want somebody like that to go somewhere else? Maybe they don't give a shit if he goes somewhere else because he's not really a needle mover. He wasn't a needle mover in WWE. He's not going to be a needle mover anywhere else. But I'll tell you what, he's going to be the talk of the town when he hits, when he hits the indies. You mean to tell me that he's not going to show up at a GCW show and wrestle fucking Minoru Suzuki somewhere or wrestle, wrestle Jonathan Gresham at Terminus? 
You don't think he's going to wrestle uh, Matt Cardona, NWA, light the world on fire there? What if he goes to Impact? Cesaro automatically goes to Impact and is, now world, is at a world title level. You mean to tell me if Josh Alexander, I don't know what his status is with Impact, if Josh Alexander and Cesaro in the ring, you mean to tell me they won't light the fucking world on fire? Everybody's like, oh, he's going to go to AEW. He's going to go to AEW. Eddie Kingston even made a fucking quote saying Cesaro doesn't have the balls to come to AEW. I'd love for him to go to AEW, but AEW has too many Cesaros at this point. What would AEW use Cesaro for? How would they use Cesaro when they got fucking 20 other Cesaros? If I'm Tony Khan, I'm I'm not looking at Cesaro. If I'm Tony Khan, I bring Cesaro in for a one-off. I'm not signing Cesaro to a fucking multi-year contract to AEW. I'll bring him in for a couple of matches, but I'm not using Cesaro more than that. They have too many Cesaros. If I'm Tony Khan, I'm not looking at this as, oh my God, I got to bring him in. He's not the AJ Styles of the wrestling world. He's not somebody that you're going to go out there and immediately, I got to get him, I got to get him. How many guys does Tony Khan need before enough is enough? At this point, Tony Khan should really just concentrate on creating dynamite and getting dynamite to where it needs to be, and only paying attention to those who are going to be a absolute major name, needle mover, change the game type acquisition, like a Wyndham Rotunda. That is the only name out there that even makes sense for him to go out and get it. A guy like Cesaro, you could use him sparingly here and there. You could use him in a match with Brian, or a match with Kingston, or a match with fucking Cole, anybody, Omega, right? One of these dream match scenarios. Sure, Tony Khan could come up with something, but the fact of the matter is I don't think Tony Khan should have interest in Cesaro more than just a pay-by-appearance you know, basis. I could see him going to Impact. I would like to see somebody like that go to Impact. He could go to New Japan and light the world on fire over there. You know, Cesaro's the type of guy that's going to make a name for himself without AEW. What the fuck does he need AEW for? He's going to make just as much money, more money than what WWE originally offered him, doing his own thing. Look at what Matt Cardona did. He's bigger than he's ever been in his entire career. Look at what Cody Rhodes did when he left WWE. He was bigger than any point in his career. Cesaro could do the same thing. Not everybody needs to go to AEW. I genuinely feel bad for somebody like that because you're told you're not good enough when everybody knows, including himself, that he is good enough. And a guy like that, I take great interest in a guy like that leaving the WWE because you know for a fucking fact that everything we knew and felt about Cesaro, you're going to be seeing firsthand as soon as he gets his foot into another wrestling ring, not WWE. I genuinely feel bad for that type of guy. Imagine Vince saying, oh, he's boring. Why would you want to work for somebody that knows or or that you know said that you're boring? That you don't draw any interest. You're not good enough. You're a a good hand. Nobody ever wants to be a good hand. I find that to be fucking ridiculous. Cesaro was more than a good hand. He was great. And this is a fucking problem. WWE doesn't recognize talent. They don't know what the fuck they have. Meanwhile, it's right underneath their nose. How many people did they let go? That could have been the future of this company. They let go. Fired or did not bring back. Fired and we found out that they wanted to change who they were. 
contract's expired. Adam Cole's getting a name change, and he's getting his hair cut, and no more Bay Bay. He's going to be a manager for Keith Lee, who they ultimately fucking fired. Cross turns into Super Shredder. Fucking Keith Lee turns into a fucking uh, Lion King fucking character. Give me a break with this shit, man. You mean to tell me that you're upset about him walking away? You should be upset with WWE being negligent with the talent that they have. Ricochet even liked tweets about everybody expressing how undervalued and underutilized Cesaro was. You mean to tell me that someone like Ricochet doesn't feel Cesaro's pain? He's crying out to fucking speak up, but he can't. That's the type of guy that wants something more, but he won't. Cesaro's going to be fine. Just go back and look at all the... Those are just some of the things I mentioned. Tyson Kidd, Jack Swagger, the tag team's there, finished. Why? Because they were two over. John Cena and the classic match he had with John Cena on Monday Night Raw for the U.S. title. Yeah, we didn't do nothing with him. The great match he had with Brian. Brian worked with Cesaro on SmackDown. Why? Because Brian wanted to work with him. Brian knew what they had in him, but WWE clearly doesn't. Then they put him in a few with Roman Reigns. Brian propelled him to get to Roman Reigns. WWE didn't do that. WWE would have never done that. It was Daniel Bryan who did it. Jack Swagger, Tyson Kidd, the Battle Royal, the James Bond shit, the bar. Now look at where he is. He was fucking... What was his last match on SmackDown? What was he wrestling? Madcap Moss? Everybody's crying he's leaving WWE. Good. Good. Now I'm genuinely curious about what WWE does now that they lost Cesaro. SmackDown takes another hit. When are we ending the brand split, Bruce? That's what I want to know. When are we ending the brand split? You don't give a shit. Cesaro clearly doesn't give a shit either. He's going to go to the Indies and be fine. And finally, guys, Brian Cage. He reaches a deal to extend his AEW contract with the company. This is coming from Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful Select. Brian Cage, I should note before I read this report from Fightful, has downplayed these rumors and says, well, I don't know where you heard that from. So he's downplaying the rumors already, just like he did when he first joined AEW and his wife had to come out and say, well, fuck the dirt sheets. I don't know where you heard that from. He's doing the same thing here. According to Sean Ross Sapp and Fightful Select, Bray Cage is coming back to AEW as they have picked up his one-year contract extension. Brian Cage was said to be very surprised with virtually everyone on the AEW roster believing his contract would simply expire. Brian Cage has also been active on the independent scene working for Revolver, Warrior Wrestling, and others. He had a great match with Will Ospreay, I was told. I did not see it, but I saw clips of it, and Will Ospreay put him over big time. His wife, Melissa Santos, publicly addressed Cage's frustrations with AEW last year, which also seemingly echoed uh, throughout the community and probably were the couple of things that led to his being stagnant in AEW. Tony Khan, I guess, kind of punished him for that. And Melissa Santos probably joked around about it one too many times, and it was legitimately a a thing where, you know, she came out in defense of him, he said something, and then she took it overboard, and then clearly AEW kind of set that shit in place 
But Cage last appeared on AEW television on October 8th of Rampage. No word given on why uh, he was brought back or when he return, would return to AEW TV. <clears throat> um, you know, th- this move surprised me. And I see a lot of people downplaying this as like, oh, this is a waste. Yada, yada, yada. The, the, the thing with Tony Khan is, you know, I, I don't know if I'm Tony Khan, I'm making that move. If I'm Tony Khan, that's a bad, bad move. Now, I don't know why he would make that move outside of... He, he has to have some plan for him. I can't see Tony Khan knowing that Cage has been off TV because it was partially due to what Tony Khan did. Tony Khan took him off TV. Tony Khan knows who Brian Cage is. I don't see why Tony Khan brought Brian Cage back to AW for another one-year contract extension if he doesn't have plans to use Brian Cage on television. I think everybody's looking a little bit too deep into this. They're overanalyzing this. If Tony Khan brought Brian Cage back to the company, then Tony Khan probably has a plan to reintroduce Brian Cage to AEW television, whether that's with Team Taz or away from Team Taz in a solo role. Brian Cage is too good to just leave off TV. They don't really have a lot of big men right now. Hobbs, Wardlow, Lance Archer. That's it. Brian Cage is a rarity on AEW television. A guy like that, that can move the way he does and wrestle the way he does, he is very good. I don't know if people really know how good he really is. So I don't know why you're not utilizing him to the best of his ability. I watched some of his shit in Impact when he was over there, man. The shit he was doing was impressive. I don't know why we're not getting that Brian Cage. Maybe bring in Melissa Santos. He, he does have some, some things that aren't really working for him. I don't think he has a lot of charisma on his own. I, I, I don't really know. I don't want to sit here and, and say that unfairly about the guy, but we, we haven't been given an opportunity to see who he is or how he is. I enjoyed his work in Lucha Underground. Bring in Melissa Santos. Have his wife be a representative or a valet or manager, a mouthpiece, a spokeswoman, for Brian Cage, like Zelina Vega was for Andrade when they were at the height of that act in NXT. I think that would get him over. And Melissa Santos, I mean, she's got quite the voice. As you guys know, she was the ring announcer for Lucha Underground. She has the voice, and she's got that spicy attitude that would probably get Brian Cage over more so than he was when he was in Team Taz. I honestly think that Tony Khan is bringing him back because there's a plan in place to do something more with Brian Cage. Otherwise, I don't know why this move is made. And Brian Cage, if he did accept a one-year extension, I don't know how good that looks on him either. What does that say about him? It says he wants to be there, but it doesn't really speak to him as being intelligent if he doesn't really know for sure what the company's going to be doing with him. He's been off TV for six or seven months now. But here he is just taking a one-year contract extension for what? Easy money? Yeah, you're taking TK's money, but he's not going to be using you. What value is that to you? You're kind of shortchanging yourself. Meanwhile, you could go work all these other places and make just as much money as I'm sure Tony Khan is paying you. Plus, get on TV and get your name out there. And he'd fit like a glove in WWE. Vince and Bruce would fucking love somebody like Brian Cage walking through the door, doing what he does like a guy like him and his size can do. It's something that he may look back on and kind of regret. A year of my life wasted. I thought I trusted these people, and then I realized I couldn't. I took the money. I thought something was going to be planned. 
Maybe he brought me back and offered me a, an extension. He was going to use me. You know, at this point, the way Tony Khan's been hot and cold with Brian Cage, I don't know if I trust Tony Khan in getting him on television. He may end up regretting this, deci- this decision in the end. So we'll see. But I want to give Tony Khan the benefit of the doubt, really. I, I don't think TK, as money-minded as he is, is going to bring Brian Cage back without a plan in place to bring him back. Thank you guys very much for all your support. If you enjoyed the podcast today, let me know what you guys think down below. If you did enjoy the video, hit that thumbs up. Let's try for a thousand likes minimum. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button as well. Turn on the bell. Uh, Social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram, at JD from NY206. And go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel, including yesterday's episode 415 and Monday nights and Wednesday night Raw and Dynamite live streams right here on Off the Script. I will be guy. I will be live again for you guys tonight during the SmackDown post show. That is SmackDown and Rampage tonight live on Off the Script. Until then, have a great Friday, guys. Enjoy your day, and I'll see you live at the venue. SmackDown and AEW Rampage tonight live on YouTube. I'll see you guys later.